Welcome back to the Black Dog Sports Podcast, Season 2, Episode 10. I'm your host, AJ Hosey, Class of 2008, and we have a lot of things to talk about tonight, namely Jomo. We'll start off with Paul Feinbaum's take on the Mississippi State head coach. Then we're going to recap the TAMU game. Then we're going to look forward to the Arkansas game and their coach's prediction that they are going to win. And should Moose Maiden get a shot? And I'm going to start off this episode like I do every episode by seeing where the guys' heads are. I'm going to start off with the senior member of the panel tonight, Mr. Gabriel Ware. What's on your mind? What's going on, dog fans? I am just still concerned about our football program. I think we're off the rails right now. Um, other than that, welcome back. Let's have another good show. Sounds good. That's the same thing that we all looking forward to. Jeremiah Short, what's on your mind tonight? Man, it's really just thinking, really just looking forward to discussing all these topics, but it's really right now, even I'm like, I don't know where the program is going to be a year from now. You know, I'm a big fan of Moorhead, but even I, I kind of just don't have a feeling about where we're going to be in a year from now. So that's really what I'm thinking about. All right. So um, like we say, first thing, we got a um, Paul Feinbaum went on uh, the radio and he said that he feels as though that um, there's no path for Moorhead to succeed at Mississippi State. They think that he's a great guy, but you know, his personality and you know, this this job ain't this job ain't for him. Okay. So um I'm going to start off getting the thoughts of matter of fact, the person I know is most passionate about this, Gabriel Ware. What do you think about what Paul Feinbaum had to say about Joe Moe at Mississippi State? Well, I read the article and I tend to agree with Paul Feinbaum this time, although I don't always he basically was saying that from his being around Mississippi State fans and gazing how we feel towards Moorhead, there's not a match neither on the field nor off the field. Uh, basically, what we want to see done or what we feel like should be done as a program is not getting done. It seems like we're headed backwards instead of forward. And off the field, Joe Mo doesn't seem to mesh with our fan base, so to speak. Uh, sometimes it seems like he's trying too hard. Sometimes it seems like he's just making stuff up to try to appease us. And sometimes it just seems like he flat out just don't know what to do. So it seems like to me that's what uh, Feinbaum was really saying, and that's kind of what I agree with. Um, you know, we were talking, and, and they were talking about this, Arkansas game coming up and what's going to happen if we lose it, which I don't even want to think about that, but yeah, I I tend to agree with Paul Feinbaum, so y'all can tell me what y'all think about it. Jeremiah, I'm going to shoot this over to you. What do you think about Paul Feinbaum's uh, comments about Joe Moorhead? When I actually, when he read his comments, now the tagline says he has no path to success. But what he actually said is that he has no path to success if we lose to Arkansas, which I think is a little different. Um, I think he's pretty much saying, like, hey, we missed a bowl this year. Because that's, that's pretty much what's going to happen if we lose to Arkansas. Because that pretty much eliminates any chance of a bowl. I mean, not 100%. We could always beat Alabama, but we know that probably not going to happen. So, 
I see what he's saying. Um, I, I think at that point, the fan base will be so far not behind him. You taking a program, regardless of the losses, and, and I've noticed some of the losses and the circumstances, you can't take a program to add enough talent to possibly the best team in the nation last year. Just maybe poor quarterback into no bowl in a year and a half, two years. Like, that's not a good look. Like I said, I still do support him and think he should get another year just to kind of just really fully implement what he wants to do. But yeah, if you lose to Arkansas, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, you can't even, a game like that can't even really, like a close loss, you just got to win it. Like, no way. So if he loses that game, I think the conversation will have to get started about if maybe he should be the guy or not. And, you know, that's amazing because Jeremiah is Captain Cap when it comes to Joe Moorhead. So those are strong words. Ricardo, what you got? Well, I, I believe that if um, – I feel like we lose to Arkansas, man. It's pretty much the season's a wash, uh, honestly. Um, it already is. It, it really, Yeah, it really is. But, you know, if we can at least, like, at least win three games, we'll probably get one of those lower total pole bowl games. And I think – I always said I at least gave them a little bit of benefit. I was like, okay. If we can beat Arkansas, Abilene Christian, Ole Miss, we'll be all right because we're going to lose to Alabama. I, I, I said early in the season we probably would have beat them, but I didn't know this was going to turn out like this. And then with the situation with KT and all of it. But, um, yeah, like if they lose to Arkansas, and with the – the Paul, I think I heard about that today while with the uh, what Paul Feinbaum said. I really think it's more to that than what meets the eye. I think it's a little deeper than that. I believe he's going to probably pull a cousin Eddie on us, man. I believe he's like downplay, kind of like Mullen did the whole Florida thing. And if this this season we lose to Arkansas, to Abilene Christian or somebody like that, I think he's just going to go. They're going to put the heat on him, man. He's going to just go and walk off and, and go and take the Rutgers job. I really honestly think he's already taken I hear they don't want him. Yeah, but, you know, what other option does he have? Like, if he don't get another – Hey, kids, coaches, uh, if it don't work in Mississippi State, he's going to be a coordinator for the rest of his life, breathing days, I honestly believe. But I think it's more to that. Uh, I think uh, what Feinbaum saying was pretty much true. It's just the fact that, like, you went from sugar to boo-boo within a year and a half. You pretty basically put your foot in your mouth at the uh, conference when you were talking about championship, bring the championship, this and that, and when you told Fitzgerald, make room on his – Coast or whatever for having a trophy case and all that. I feel like you should have just did what Mullen said. He's like, we're going to try to turn this school into a championship contender. Like, I didn't like the fact of what he did and with his play calling, but he didn't. He didn't basically set those expectations. He didn't set that bar high like that. And I feel like I think I forgot who said it. Either Gabriel or, or Jer- Jeremiah when he says about uh, Mullen. Pretty much when we went number one that year. He pretty much hit his ceiling. And after that, he had really had no choice but to leave, honestly. But I wish the fact that we could have he, – he could have handled the whole situation better instead of throwing a couple of players and school under the bus after he left. Because everybody knew when Strickland jumped ship, he, Mullen was going with him because that's his boy. So, but with, with that being said, I, I really think there's more to it than what needs to happen. We'll see. Okay, well, you know, that was a fairly civil discussion. Uh, What about Texas A&M game? That game was a Charlie Foxtrot from the beginning to the end. 
And that was a, a, a good bit of fool's gold in there where, you know, I think we scored like 30 points, but it, it didn't feel like we scored 30 points. Like, it, the whole thing was just bizarre. So I'm going to start off with the person who was actually physically at the game. Jeremiah Short, take us through your experience. Sorry, I was going to move there. Um, the overall experience, I felt like, was pretty um pretty good. The game itself, just being at the game. Um, I think we were talking before the call. Like, I like the overall game, the experience. But just being there, it never felt like I was watching the game and I was like, oh, my God, our team sucks. It's just like, for one, I think the real problem is that our defense just wasn't strong enough in that particular game. I think that's one of the times. Because the offense seemed like it was able to move the ball at times and Colin Hill got off. Um, but it's two things I saw. Like, it's different being able to watch on TV. And, of course, on TV they cut off part of the defense or you can't see the whole action just from jump and how they're lining up. The thing that I remember that struck me, they had like nine guys in the box and they were blitzing the safety. Like, they weren't blitzing, like, you know, like, we have, like, a Brian Cole who's, like, the nickel guy, and they blitz, we blitz him a lot, but that's kind of his role. He's kind of a star, you know, safety linebacker position. But they were, like, blitzing the safety on multiple plays. Now, I will give Joe Mo credit. He called a play where it was kind of like a fake QB power, and he pulled back, and Gary Schroeder kind of threw it over to the tight end on, like, a little seam route, but he overthrew him. So, not – horribly, but it was just right right out of the reach of Farrah Green. So that was a good call. So that did pull them back a little bit where they weren't as aggressive. But at the same time, uh, you can kind of just tell, like, Texas A&M just wasn't respecting our passing game. You kind of just see the problem with the offense right now. It isn't that the offense isn't straight up good. We don't have some of the linemen. But the offense, like, they stacking the box. Like, they're not going eight in the box. They're going nine in the box, really more, because they're pulling those corners up. And really, like, it's nowhere for Colin to run. Like, he maybe can get a – I mean, he's having to work hard for his yards, hard. And um, and then, you know, with Gary Schrader's inability to push the ball deep or really be accurate, Gary Schrader was missing out routes. He was 0 for 6 at one point. And it's like the offense still was able to score a few points. And then defensively, we didn't have Cam Dantzler. I mean, that pretty much, you know, hurt our cornerback position. And, and you know, um, we've had issues at safety all year. It's just like one of them games we just – Honestly, it felt like watching the game, it felt like we flat don't have – we didn't have enough to be Texas a And that's really the best way uh, I could describe it. Interesting. We didn't have enough to be Texas a but Texas a has been like our, you know, whipping boys for the last yeah. few years. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't fail from favor pretty quick. So, Gabe, go ahead and kind of shoot on that. You know, what, what were you thinking watching the Texas A&M game and seeing how, you know, we had – oh, by the way, Kansas State beating Oklahoma, a team that we thought that we could beat. And, you know, they beat the number, what, five team in the country. So it seems like this um, season we had a spark when we started, but now we just garbage. So what do you think about that, Gabe? Well, not to get too technical, but when I watched the City State play, I judged them based on decades of different coaches and different teams and different eras. And what I saw the other day looked like the Rocky Felker era, which was, to me, the worst era that we've had since I've been watching Mississippi State sports since the late 70s. Texas A&M was scoring touchdowns on us, and they weren't even breaking a sweat. They were, like, not even excited because it was looking so easy. It was like our defense just flat out just – they weren't tackling – they weren't defending. It just looked just like, what in the world are we doing? 
like, is anybody coaching this defense? Are they motivated? What is the actual problem here? And then on offense, this is what I was seeing. Uh, we're running on first down. We're running on second down. Now it's third and eight, so guess what? We got a pass. Everybody in the stadium knows you're going to do it, so it doesn't work. So we get the ball again. Let's run it on first down and run it on second down. Now it's third and seven, so what do we – I mean, it was – it just looked like what in the heck are we doing? This looks like an eighth-grade team out here with this basic offense. No – I mean, and, and it doesn't even have to be – throwing passes, just do something. Run a, you know, run an in around, run a shovel pass, do something other than just run the football between the tackles. And, and it, Texas Bantam has a terrible run defense. So Kylan Hill was still able to get his yards, but they have a terrible run defense. So it's not like we ground and pound. <laughs> we just got, Kylan Hill just got yards because he's a good back. I man, I just it just it, it defies all logic where we were two seasons ago to where we are now. And like I said, I, I watched us with Croom, I watched us with with uh, Mullen, and and what I'm looking at now, I it just I just cannot understand how we seem to just be not halfway even showing up for these games. And and did anybody else besides me see the video that he had them doing the Oklahoma drill before the game? Did anybody else see that? Seems like I vaguely remember seeing it. Why the hell would you have, why would you have your team knocking the crap out of each other before the game? They're supposed to be getting ready to knock the crap out of the other team. Somebody can get hurt, bang themselves up, hitting their own teammate on game day. It, it, I just, man, somebody is going to have to explain to me what's going on because nothing looks like it's supposed to look, in my opinion. I, this big question mark. What the heck? That's just what keeps going through my mind. What the heck? Okay, you know, uh, pretty good assessment. I liked it. Now, I guess we got to go to Ricardo. What's, what's up, Ricardo? I, I really don't look at that as a – as a contest because you said we scored 30 some points. That was in garbage time. That, that, that crap don't count. I said it a couple of weeks ago, man. These guys, they've quit on them. Like, I don't know how many times, like more times I got to emphasize it. Coming from somebody that plays sports and don't watch it, we've all been watching sports all our lives. And you can tell when someone is giving a half ass effort and they ain't even giving half ass, they're giving no ass. And it's like they've quit on them. Like, what more do we need to explain to what we see? I, who do we play for homecoming? Abilene Christian? Uh, we'll yes. probably win that game. Yeah, we'll probably more than likely win that game. But, yeah, they've quit on And, yeah, that didn't make sense to me. Why would you have the team doing Oklahoma drills before the game? Like, that's something you do during the week. And then when you get out there on Saturday, just do walk-arounds, walk, do stuff like that, and then when the game comes, you shouldn't want to be hitting on your team, man. You want to hit on these people here. <laughs> it's, and it's ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, I don't get that. But that's why I say he's he's too far gone. He doesn't know what he's doing. It's like, a, it's like it's about going to be a – I'm going to try to keep this as, as clean as possible. But it's kind of like being a virgin 
and you getting you getting your virginity broken by a porn star, man. That's how his coaching style is. It's like he just there sitting right there in front of him. It, it, it's there for the taking, but he don't know what to do with it. That's that's just my assessment of it. Like Texas A and M is not that good. They're they're a middle of the pack team at best, and we really shouldn't have lost that game because we were the better team. We had we had we were the more talented team. I, I put it like that. If he would just get off his high horse and stop being so stubborn and play the players that were there, they know each other because he's basically fractured the locker room. I remember saying that. I've seen people post in the group. Like I posted on the comment the other day. I was like, I said that before the season. Him bringing Thomas Stevens in pretty much fractured that locker room. It, 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 it <laughs> broke it up. So, I want to interject this. Go ahead. Um, but – I'll say from, like, just seeing live, and, and the reason I said, like, it seems like we didn't have enough, and it's not just about the suspended players that we didn't have. I think not having a Willie game, certain players mattered, but we didn't have Smitherman. Our junior corner was gone. Cam Dancer was hurt. We had two offensive linemen that were out. Um, and, of course, we don't – I like not having Tommy – I know, like you said, fractured the locker room, but really we're starting straighter now, and then really Moorhead went with probably who to – Locker room, a lot of fans, and everybody wanted him to go with him straighter, but I think it might have been the wrong decision. And um, and I see why he was playing, you know, Steven, you know, for all those games when a lot of us were criticizing the move because Schrader, you know, was showing a lot, a lot of flashes. Um, but Schrader doesn't have the ability to push the ball down the field, so it limits the offense. Everybody keeps talking about his play calling, but he only he can't call most of his plays because quarterback can't functionally, you know, um, accurately throw the ball. And I honestly, I know. Yes, Texas and m when we have all our players, they are not better than us. Because I really do feel even if we had Smitherman and Dantzler, we win that game. Because a lot of the, they were getting plays on the outside that normally we don't even give up. We had two freshman corners starting. Like, and they just made a lot of mistakes. And um, I, we're a better team in general, like when we got all our players. But when I watched that game, and I don't think A&M was that talented just from what I saw. I think Kellen Munn is a decent quarterback. I didn't really see a receiver that stood out to me or, or their running backs didn't look particularly great either. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I see what you're saying there. But at the same time, without all our bullets in the chamber, they are better than us. I'm telling you, like, watching it live and seeing them, I can tell when players are flying around, a team just looks better as far as just talent-wise or something like that. No, they aren't the most talented. But that day, with what we had on the field and all the injuries we have, they are better. So how have yeah, we beating them like three times in a row or something like that? I want to say that. I think so. So how in three the world are they just better than us? They got the same. I think they know how we go, bro. Four years. The same, the, basically the same team, except for a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. How can they all of a sudden be that much better than us? And just rag well, we beat them the last three years with Jeffrey Simmons in the middle. Like, you got to think we had Jeffrey Simmons, Jonathan Averill. Uh, Monte Swift. We had some houses. Like we ain't got them players no more. Them guys gone. So you know, you but they don't have of... either, though. They got freshmen. Fifteen freshmen started and played for them the other day. Yeah, that is why. Why? A lot we of ain't got no excuses. Right. That's I'm why telling I you, we don't like, have I'm, excuses, I'm watching. Bro. I'm saying it ain't excuses. What I saw, like I, when you see a game live and paired on TV, is different. I'm telling you, like they were just better than us that particular game. Like it's just certain stuff we just couldn't do. We can't. We cannot I, I move the ball offensively. This is not. Hey, Jim, I'm gonna ask you a question. I'm gonna yes. ask you a question, bro. I right, do you think that, like, 
everybody in the country see what's going on with us, man, just like we do. Because I know we see it, right, right, right. everybody in the country see it. So do you think people are seeing it and feeding on it because they know, okay, let's let's, let's get state now while they're down. Let's, kick them, let's keep kicking dirt on them and keep throwing salt in the world while they're down. I don't know, man, because folks be looking a little bit more energized when they play us, man. Like these I guys, don't, like, like, I don't agree with that part of it. I don't, you I, know. Think, I, mean, I don't think I think we're going to woe with me. I don't even think we that type of program where people care enough to kick us while we down. I think it's looking like we're a middle road program that's having a down year. This is what happens. Like, um, I mean, if one thing we were a 10, 11 win program, like a school like Florida, when they have bad years, they're six, six, six and seven and five, maybe something like that. When we have a bad year, we might do something like miss a bowl game. People forget that we actually were five and seven a couple years ago. And we lucked up into a bowl because of some arbitrary BS rule. So um, you really got to think about that. So this ain't wouldn't be our first losing season in the past couple of years. So uh, I, I think this one of the years as fans, we we have to realize like this gonna happen. And really, I don't know. It ain't me making excuses. I think I just don't want us jumping the gun over one bad season. And it's like as AJ and I, we've talked about at nauseum on this podcast. Like, who are we going to get that's better? They're not having a woe-as-me mentality. Like, I do like that the basketball program went from a Rick Ray and when they got a Ben Holland, who is a name, and has done things at the college level. Who will we get for the football program that's going to replace Joe Moorhead? Joe Moorhead was a hot name as an assistant coach. So what would be the point going from one hot name as an assistant coach to another hot name as an assistant coach? It didn't work out this Urban time. Mile. So, yes. No. He's not coming on state. And, and this is the point. I'm gonna be real. Like, let's look at Urban Meyer's track record as far as what he's done the past two times he's been a coach. Yes, he's won Florida. He had a lot of crazy mess going on with those players. Um, so you got to think he's coming to the Bible Belt, Mississippi, and then at Ohio State, his coaches was beating on chicks, and they didn't do nothing about it. So that's the part of you got to look at with Urban Meyer too. And just let's, let's just say, for example, we are able to have him get him to come down to Mississippi State, which I don't think gonna happen. Um, because you got to think his last two jobs were Florida. And Ohio State, two-story programs, even though people say he came in and did well, I mean, he's still winning with a machine behind him. How do we know he's going to do the same thing in Mississippi State? He can. He's coaching the SEC. He, he, got, he, he, he can do it. He won with a machine behind him, though. Like, Florida is a historically great program, one of the most talent-rich states. And then Ohio State, one of the most talent-rich states. And it's a machine. Ohio State wasn't that bad before he took over. The only reason the coach, the coach lost his job because he lied. Like, he didn't like the coach lost his job because he wasn't good at his job. So, I mean, like, it's not like he just took over with nothing to work with. So, I ain't saying, like, he ain't a good coach. I think Urban Meyer is an excellent coach. But at the same time, one, is he going to come to Mississippi State? Two, is is he, like, that type of guy that can lift Mississippi State out the doldrums and turn us into a powerhouse? I, I don't know that. He he recruited in talent-rich states with a machine, some of the most – the top – Ohio State and Florida are top ten programs. We're really possibly top five. Mississippi State, we ain't dead. Anybody else? Um, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was some good points made there, you know. Um, so, I mean, anybody else got anything else to say about the Texas A&M game? Now, I will say this. It seemed like, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I turned the sound off, and I think I was, like, chatting with somebody on Facebook the whole game. And every time I look back at the screen, we were losing by more than we were before. And I was like, what the ass? So, um, 
something has to change about that. And as we speak, the uh, Houston Astros are up two to one on the Washington Nationals at the top of the third. All right, so uh, I'm gonna actually switch things up a bit, and I'm gonna go with our last topic right now, which is Tommy Stevens either is garbage or else he's hurt. I'm more inclined to believe that he's hurt. I said from the beginning that, you know, when he got hurt in that USM game, he looked like every time that Tony Romo went out for the season ever. Um, You know, we've seen what um, Schrader has, and either he's a poor man's Nick Fitzgerald or else he's our quarterback of the future, which I don't, I personally don't quite agree with that. And so there's Moose Maiden. Moose Maiden has been out for most of the season. I think that he was a part of that suspended group. But right about now, should be, he hadn't played any games, so he can indeed play in these last four games. And don't get me started on that whole KT situation, but we need to ask this question. Should we give Moose Maiden a look? Because from what I understand, he has an arm. And he's black, so I'm assuming that he can probably run. Also, I know that's racist, but since I'm black, I can. What a racist! Um, yeah, I know, right? So, um, Jeremiah, I want you to tell me why Moose Maiden should or should not get some shine in these last four games. I think we got to see what we got. I think going forward as a program, we do have to start thinking toward next year as far as like the future. And you, you as a coach. And as a program, you're tied to your starting quarterback. We see what Dak was able to do for Mississippi, uh, Mississippi State. He raised our profile. And even now that he's on TV, he, he raised our profile. So having the right quarterback makes a difference. Obviously, a lot of people like Schrader because ESPN and all these stations, sports stations gave him a lot of hype because of the helicopter run and all of that. But at the end of the day, we might end up being embarrassed because he can't throw. Moose Maiden, and I think the thing is, um, as I was telling some people on the weekend and we talked about, He's a quarterback, so the fact he got in trouble for this Tudorgate thing is because saying that he's not smart. Because I mean, he could have just dudes cheating when they're smart. But it's looking like you're the quarterback and you're making a poor decision like that. I think it does go into leadership and all those different type of things. So you know, I just kind of wonder if Morehead has kind of soured on him, uh, or even if Morehead even favors bigger quarterbacks. I don't know. I know Maiden was already committed and he, you know, still pushed to keep Maiden. So I feel like you got to give him a shot because he can throw the football. Um, and he's not like a really a dual threat. Um, so I think you got to give him a shot because we got to see what we're going to do next year. So is Schrader going to be our guy? I mean, I think nobody feels that KT will be, um, even though he'll be, you know, he has the injury this year. And so if Schrader's not the guy and you don't want Maiden, we can't rely on the freshman coming in. So do we go get another grad transfer? I know every, people, you know, maybe because of the Thomas Stevens, we feel a little froggy about that. But I think it might be what we might need to do. So I think that's why you play Maiden because you need to see what you need to do with the quarterback position going forward and maybe looking at the waiver wire to see what's out there. Sounds like a heck of an idea. Ricardo, what what are you thinking about Moose Maiden and giving him a shot possible? What do we have to lose? You know what I'm saying? No, there's there's we, not much to lose. Hey, exactly. So, yeah, that's my whole thing about just what do we have to lose and – I, I know I'm I'm gonna pick it back off some you just uh comments you just made, Arthur. I know you don't wanna touch it and rub on it and massage it too much, but damn it, I'm on I'm on massage it a little bit. Man, we need to know what the what the Hades is going on with K T, man. 
Because if this dude holding this dude back and he really ain't hurt, man, he gonna get cruci- he gonna get nailed to the cross and crucified. I'm saying he's actually hurt, but but well, that's the case. Like I feel like we should go with Maiden. Okay, he's gonna be a senior next year, so but I, he probably will end up transferring. I don't know more than likely because his boy Wap transfer. He, he going into the portal, but ain't who who, who knows if he's really gonna you know what I'm saying somebody gonna pick him up right now or whatever. But uh, yeah, what what do we have to lose? That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, um, I personally feel like Wap probably just some shit because I'm like. How the hell do you manage to not be able to sorrow these garbage-ass receivers? You must have been, like, trash, trash. But um, one thing that I was thinking about with Schrader is that he got a lot of shine going on right now. A lot of fans seem to like him. I don't get it, but whatever. He had the little helicopter play, even though I thought that play was dumb as shit. Um, And it was nothing to be proud of and that, you know, he got his shit rocked like he should have. Why am I cussing so much? Anyway, um, yeah, Gabe, what are you thinking about with Moose Maiden? You in favor against um you all for the beard, what? Man, okay. Okay. I'm 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 not an offensive coordinator out here, but I watch the New Orleans Saints play, right? I'm not a Saints fan, I just watch them play. And you know that backup quarterback they have, number seven? I can't remember his name. Teddy Bridgewater? No, the the other guy. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill just happens to be a great athlete. He's technically a quarterback by position, but he's a great athlete. The Saints get Taysom Hill on the field. However, they feel like, damn it, we're going to get him on the field. Put him at running back, receiver, quarterback. You don't know what he's going to do. All you know is Cason Hill is dangerous. And he caught two touchdown passes the other day. Just by being in the game, the dude can play. My point is this. I don't understand why if you and, – and, and I've never seen Maiden play. I don't think I've seen him ever take a snap. So I don't know what he can do. But my philosophy is if a guy is good enough to be on the field – Get him on the field, man. I mean, worst case scenario, if you run Maiden onto the field and you got Schrader behind the center, the defense at least is a little bit confused. They they at least don't know what you're going to do because what we do, we line up, hey, let's put nine in the box because they're going to run Kylan here. And everybody knows. My thing is if the kid can play, get him on the field. He did it for um, Stevens when he was at Penn State. He he got Stevens on the field because, as Jomo put it, he was too good to keep on the sideline. Okay, now he's at Mississippi State. Where is he on the freaking sideline? And I don't think he's hurt. I think he just is not the guy. He's just not that guy. I think his ego hurt. I mean, and the dude can't stay healthy on top of not being the guy. So I say of the kid, and so now you got Jalen Maiden, who's a redshirt freshman, Garrett Schrader, who's a true freshman. What do you think Maiden's prospects of touching the field are? Zero. So you're either going to lose him or figure a way to get him on the field. And I personally, I like left-handed quarterbacks anyway. I just like to see a kid get out there and do something. Mix this offense up, this genius of an offensive 
uh, schemes looks ridiculously simple and boring on Saturday. And we're definitely not going to blow nobody out. So we won't see him play that way. You know, maybe against Abilene Christian, who we all seem to be counting that victory, which probably should be a pause before we do that. But, yeah, get him on the field, man. At, at this point, just do stuff. I mean, honestly, just mix it up, make stuff happen, at least try something better than what we got going on right now. Good grief. I'm signed, I'm signed like Ricardo. Well, you know, sometimes that's the way it go with the R. Kelly party. But uh, I guess that's the end of our topic about um, Moose Maiden. I kind of hope to see what he got going, you know, get us, you know, another black man playing quarterback. You know, it'd be cool. Uh, but that brings us now to Woo Pig Suey, the Arkansas Razorbacks. You know, let me tell you something, brother. I grew up in Greenville, Mississippi, on the banks of the mighty Mississippi, and we came into contact with a lot of these Razorback folks. And, you know, one of the things that I kind of admire about um, Arkansas is that they only have one uh, SEC school. And it's like no matter where you go throughout the state, everybody is a Razorback fan. It's like whether they actually went to University of Arkansas or not, like they, they have so much unity. It's not like Mississippi State, well, Mississippi, where you have state fans and Ole Miss fans, you know, USM fans and stuff. Like, no, over there, everybody is a Razorback. Doesn't matter if you go to UAM or Arkansas State or whatever the case may be, everybody pulls for the Razorbacks. And I wish that we could have that in the state of Mississippi. However, even though they have a stranglehold on all of the talent, they're still um, egregiously mediocre. And they hadn't won an SEC game since uh, Chad Moore's been there. And actually, SMU, where Chad Moore's left, is doing pretty freaking good without him. So where does that put Mississippi State when it comes to this Arkansas game? Now, when we played Tennessee we all scoffed and laughed and thought that it was really cute, the prospect of Tennessee possibly beating us. And, oh, my God, did they. So at this point, it feels like the team is just um, uh, completely toothless. So what do you guys think are the keys to victory for us in this Arkansas game? And do you even think that at this point, you know, does the team even have enough left in it to pull this off? And I'm going to start this topic off with, uh, actually, I'm going to start off with Ricardo Suggs. What to do, Ricardo? Arkansas, go. Uh, this is like trying to pick the winner for this game. It's like trying to pick the uh, the best out of two two. Two mediocres, man. Um, but since I'm a fan, I'm gonna go say I'm hoping State go win this game. But with the history, I know that we have, we usually don't win the games we're supposed to win or beat the teams that we're supposed to be. But I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt this weekend. I say I'm gonna say the final score will probably be like I'm gonna go old school, a couple years back when Damian Williams played seventeen ten. Hell State. You know what? That's actually a pretty good prediction. I thought you were going to say like three to two or something like that. 
like their game against Auburn. Um, no. <laughs> Jeremiah, what you thinking about this Arkansas game? Can we pull it off, or we just we just trash trash now? Honestly, I don't think we're trash trash. Uh, <laughs> I think we're gonna play well because I mean I like the way the team has played in those games where those suspended players are playing. I think they are slated probably to play against Arkansas, so I think. I think we'll play well. I think I'm interested to see if Cam Dantzler actually plays this game. I think they'll make a difference. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see what even what happens at the quarterback position. Do you go and play a little a Thomas Stevens just to make sure the offense plays a little better if uh, Schrader can't move the ball? But I think we'll win. I think it'll be somewhere around the range of the way the defense is playing. I can't really bank on them shutting anybody out. I can see it being something like 27 to 14, somewhere in that range, 24 to 14. I and mean, we're not a high-powered offense, but I think we are definitely stronger than Arkansas, and we have our two-to-gate players back, and, and maybe, you know, maybe we will see Jaden Maiden in this game. That would, that would be pretty cool to see Jaden Maiden. I don't think it's going to happen because of, you know, ego, but whatever. Gabe, what's up with this Arkansas game, man? Give me some type of – why? Well, nobody wants to give any, give any analysis. Is it just going to be Timmy versus Jimmy, you know, Saturday night, sissy fights? What's going on here, you know? <laughs> Man, I watched Arkansas play Alabama the other day. Arkansas's defense is one of the worst I've seen in the SEC in a long time. If we can't Extra score, hours. If we cannot score points on Arkansas, we are just terrible. Now, I and, and going back to something Jeremiah said earlier, when he said Texas A&M was just a better team, so can the same be said about Tennessee? who was completely in the dumps, and they still beat us. So now we're sitting here debating this Arkansas game. Arkansas is a bad football team. Alabama could have scored 100 points on them if they had wanted to. So if we sit here and play around with Arkansas, and if we barely win, or we sitting here having a heart attack, trying to wait on a field goal or some foolishness like that, <laughs> it's just more confirmation that our program was sliding down the hill, in my opinion. There, there should be no doubt that we win this game. I mean, there should be no question. We should control this game mostly from start to finish. Even if we win by 10 points, we should still at least control the football. We have not controlled a football game from start to finish except for what? I think it was maybe the Second game of the season. USM? Yeah. We went out and we controlled that game from start to finish, which made me think we had a football team. And we, ever since then, we've just been out there, inconsistent, fumbling, jumping offside, not, not tack. I just, it, I don't know. We just don't look good. But I think, I think we'll win the game by saying maybe, you know, I'm thinking like a, Oh, 24 to 10, 24 to 13 type deal, which won't really make me happy, but at least it'll be a W. Because if we lose this one, the whole world is going to be looking at us like, uh, so y'all going to fire him now or what What? What we doing here, Mr. State? All right, so that brings us to the end of the 10th episode of Season 2 of the Black Dog Sports Podcast. Of course, I got to finish this thing like I do every week by getting the guys' final thoughts. I'm going to start off this week by getting the last thoughts headed into the Arkansas game from Mr. Gabriel Ware. 
Well, we we know we got to have this one. There's no reason under the sun we should lose it. So this win right here will get us back to mediocrity. <laughs> Hell, stay, man. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's it's gotten that bad. We we don't even know what we're doing on this podcast no more, man. Uh, Jeremiah, what's your last thoughts heading to this Arkansas game? You know. Uh, if you got to talk to future Jeremiah, what would you say to him? What do you think you're going to be saying to him? You're going to be like, look, I knew we was going to win. Like, I knew we was some shit. I don't even know what I'll tell future Jeremiah right now. I'll be telling future Jeremiah, like, bro, I don't even know about the squad right now, man. It's kind of like, you know, I'm not the pessimistic one in that way. I'll try to keep at least a positive outlook, but I do think it's a situation that's imperative that we beat Arkansas. I def, you know, that other year we went, you know, five and seven or whatever. It's the year at the DAG. It was kind of like that hangover in a sense, this year we are kind of year post Jeffrey Simmons, Jonathan Abram, and Montez Sweat, and we probably won't really truly understand. I mean, we already, in some ways, I mean, really look at the guys, losing those guys compared to losing a Dak. Jeffrey Simmons is already making an impact with the Titans. Uh, Jonathan Abram is at least getting a lot of shine as far as with hard knocks and all that. He's at least looking like a future star. And Montez Sweat already has commercials. So it's like his year kind of post that. But at the same time, like, man, this this really ain't been bulled out football. So I was like, uh, what I'd be telling future self, man, are we, are, uh, like, at least we playing bulled out football again? So that's what I hope I'm telling future self. That future self will tell me, like, yeah, we are. So, yeah. uh, uh, so I would just say in the show, Hill State. Yeah, future self is going to be spreading some fake news. I just got it in my bones. Ricardo, <laughs> um, you finally succeeded. In having everybody be a pessimistic uh, B-word about Mississippi State football like yourself. So um, what, what you got to say? Because we at your mercy now. I think that everybody on board with you at this point. Well, man, I think I feel a little indifferent this week. Uh, I kind of got just a smidgen in my gut. But at the same, like I said a while ago, I, I – I just hope I'm just ready for this this dumpster fire to be over. I'm, Cause it, you got to think about it, guys. Like, yeah, we up here talking about this and that about the Arkansas game. Hey, man, we still got we still got that debacle coming up in Star Vegas in a, in a couple weeks with 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 Nikki with uh, uh Nikki's boy. So if we can just get through this game, man, that's it. Because uh. Gonna, we're gonna be like all waiting for the slaughter to come, but what next week? Don't we play Something out like next that. week? Yeah. I believe so. So we we can get through this. We we just gonna be all waiting for the slaughter, like my grandma used to say. So you know, I just I just hope we can get past this and get a win. But if we lose, I, I still won't be surprised because of the the nonchalant and stubbornness of the play calling. But you know, I I feel like I, I'm still sticking with seven, seventeen teams. You know, Ricardo and everybody, um, I feel as though that at this point, if we played against all corn, it would probably go down to the wire. Like, I would even be shaky about that. But like I say, that brings us to the end of episode 10 of the second season of the Black Dog Sports Podcast. Um, The way that I'm feeling tonight, like I say, I, I feel like the team is... 
I think that I personally lost faith. I, I think we'll win that uh, Abilene Christian game. I really don't have faith that we're going to do anything else. I believe that Ole Miss is going to beat the dog crap out of us to prove a point. Um, and you know it's ironic that it feels like the the guy that they got, you know, the Plumlee guy or whatever, is kind of like they're, they're running our system that we have with uh, Nick Fitzgerald or whatever. And even thinking about Nick Fitzgerald, Nick Fitzgerald, like in the Texas A&M game, he was a Texas A&M killer. Like, I feel as though that this year we got a certain appreciation for him. But um, outside of that, I guess that I don't really have too much to say in the way of uh, social commentary or anything like that. Um, I want to give another shout out to the Greenville Hornets. They're having their final home game this upcoming weekend. And uh, I want to give a shout out to um, Miss Maisha Turner, who was the um, Miss Hot Tamale. You know, so my niece and her younger sister, they're, they're forming a Hot Tamale dynasty. Okay, so y'all be on the lookout for Lexi Poo. In, you know, a few years, she probably go take that thing home, too. And so in the words of Vic Schaefer, who, by the way, the girls, they saw her play next week. We go have Latoya Thomas on. She owes me a favor. We already talked about it. It's a done deal, baby. So if you want to see hear the GOAT of Mississippi State basketball, tune in to the Black Dog Sports Podcast. And praise the Lord, good dogs. Look here, man. Don't get me started on Victoria Vivians. I'm, I'm going to leave that alone, okay? But uh, you already know what I'm about to say. Yeah, you already know what it is. K-bye.